This is Love Marriage Again with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to embrace their marriage and feel completely in love with their husbands again. If you are a wife looking to create a happier marriage by transforming yourself, you've come to the right place. Here you will be inspired to fully accept your husband, be in control of your own happiness, and create a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Siobhan. I'm so excited to welcome you back to another podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. So we are officially in the last month of 2020. And this is the time of year where I typically spend a lot of time reflecting on the year looking at what I set out to do, how well I did in accomplishing my goals. And I also spend a lot of time really thinking about who I am being. And I think most of us are usually excited about a new year and just the open door and sort of the wide open space that it offers us. So I thought today would be a wonderful time to explore this concept of being your best self. And as we gather here today, we'll be talking about being your best self as a wife. But I think that how I'm going to be teaching you this is something that you can apply to any aspect of your life, how to be your best as a mom, how to be your best as a professional, how to be your best as a daughter or a friend. The thinking behind it is pretty much the same no matter what. And I thought about doing this podcast because earlier this week, I offered a three-day coaching experience that was called A Better Marriage Now. And so if you're just hearing about it for the first time, I'm sorry you missed it, but definitely make sure you are following me on Instagram at Siobhan Parat, and you will never miss anything that I am up to. So I would love to connect with you there as well and keep you updated on everything that I am offering. But the last day of this three-day coaching experience, we talked about showing up as your best. It is one of the tenets of my work. It is one of the first things I do with my clients is we identify when we are being our best, what does that look like? And we have so much fun with it. We actually create and alter ego, right? So if any of you follow Beyonce, you know she has like Sasha Fierce is her alter ego. And I like to apply the same thing to this concept of being your best. And what we do is we essentially create a persona that's ourselves, but in the future when we are literally operating at our highest and best capacity and we give her a name and we consult with her and we think about how she would handle certain situations and how she would advise us. And she 
sort of becomes our best friend. I encourage my clients to have her driving in the car with them or sitting at the dinner table with them to really make it sort of a very applied and real concept for them to be able to draw upon. So when we were working through this in the coaching session that I had offered, people had a lot of questions. And I think sometimes as a coach, I have to remember that things that are second nature to me and really part of my daily routines are not the things that most people are thinking about. And so I wanted to do this podcast to really share this idea with everyone and to give you a peek inside of how I think about it and to share with you my best self. So my persona is Superstar Siobhan. And that is something that I initially developed when I was thinking about my business and thinking about how I wanted to sort of present myself and share myself to the world. And I wanted to be on like superstar status, right? You think of like A-list celebrities, they are the best of the best. And so as a marriage coach, as a business owner, as someone who pours into the lives of so many people... I take that responsibility very seriously. And so I strive to just be the best of the best. Superstars are also people who are noticed. Like they don't shrink back from conflict or they don't shrink back from unpopular opinions. They really just bring their full selves to everything that they do. And so Superstar Siobhan is me in the future, living my best life, being my best self, And so I wanted to share with you the three components that I think about when creating a self-concept. And again, you can apply these for short to marriage, but to any area of your life. So the first area is actions. And I define actions as sort of those tangible things that you can actually see, like giving a hug and giving a kiss. That's a tangible action. But I also see actions as things you think on purpose, and things you're doing with your brain. And as a mindset coach for marriage, I am always coaching and training your brain, just like your body would be coached and trained in the gym if you had a trainer. And so I like to think about thought work and thought exercises and mindset shifts as an action, as well as some of the more tangible things that you might be able to observe with your eyes when you think about you being your best self. So when I talk about actions, here are some of the ones that I came up with, and it's a pretty robust list. So I think this might be one of those episodes where you want to press save and just refer back to it time and time again especially if you're driving or if you're doing something else, I would highly recommend that you listen to this again when you can have a notepad in front of you and actually jot down your own ideas and then keep those in a place that you can refer to regularly. So the first thing that came up for me when I thought about what are the things I'm doing when I am my best self, when I am superstar Siobhan in my marriage The first thing was less complaining and more appreciating. I have become hyper aware of how 
much I am not affirming my husband. And that's very striking for me because I'm a words of affirmation person. And so I notice just like small comments I will make here or there or ways I will ask questions of him that is has like a hint and a tinge of complaint or criticism or some indication, some signal that he's not doing what I think he should be doing, right? This looks like everything from, hey, when are you going to take the kids to get a bath? Or did you remember to do the reading assignment with our daughter? Or do you know what time school starts when it's clear that he's not going to make it on time? Things like that. And so for me, whenever I'm feeling off in my marriage, I always, always, always start with zipping my lips on all complaints, all criticisms, all sarcastic comments, all attitude-laced questions. And I'm really onto myself about that. And so that will mean that sometimes I'm much quieter in my marriage. And for some of us who are used to talking all the time, used to expressing ourselves all of the time, that's going to feel awkward. But I highly, highly encourage you to do it. I really believe that when you can be intentional about stopping complaining, you stop the bleeding in your marriage because complaints are like knife wounds into the connection, the intimacy, the trust, and the foundation of your marriage. So it's very important to me, and I'll recommend to you, that you really get a handle and immediately turn down the level of complaining and turn up the level of appreciating and expression of gratitude. The second thing that always comes up for me in terms of an action is to really pause and hold off when I am triggered, right? So my husband can do something, he can say something, and I will have like a visceral, (laughs) physical reaction. My brain will start racing a thousand miles a minute. And I know that when I feel that surge in my body, that means pause, And I have learned to really train myself, not 100% of the time, probably like 90% of the time, to go to something to distract me momentarily. So I really recommend that you consider what I have termed a go-to resource. That is the thing that when you are triggered, instead of having the conversation with your husband, instead of having the knee-jerk reaction, you go to this thing to either distract you momentarily or to calm you down. So for me, sometimes my go-to resource is a song, right? It might be some instrumental calming music, and I might say a quick prayer. Other times, it's literally distracting myself with something that I love. Now, as a coach, I love watching other people get coached. So I am, you know, working with a couple of business mentors. And so they always have coaching videos and I just watch those. I literally binge watch them like some people binge watch Netflix, right? Because that is something that both feels productive to me and also it inspires me. It reminds me 
one of why I'm doing this work. And for me, when I'm triggered and I can respond appropriately to that trigger, it makes me a better coach for you. And so I have multiple reasons why those are the things that are my go-to resources. That might be totally different for you and that's okay. But I want you to think about what is the thing that you could always go to or what is the thing that you could always focus your attention on that lightens things up for you? And then go back to address whatever it is that happened in a loving, respectful, and appropriate way when you are much more intentionally responding instead of the knee-jerk reaction. Other things in terms of actions, I am thinking about what I can give instead of what I am getting. This is not an easy thing to do. It kind of goes counter to our human nature. But I think whenever we can really, truly, genuinely focus on what am I giving to this marriage? What is my offering to my husband in our united mutual love fund right now? Am I focused on being the best partner or am I focused on receiving him at his best? And when I don't receive him at his best, am I then a cranky pants with a moody attitude, right? The other thing that's so important when I am being my best is giving him the benefit of the doubt. So there's lots of room for misinterpretation and assumptions and preconceived notions about each other, but I recognize the value and the impact of choosing to give my husband the benefit of the doubt. There's actually no downside to doing that ever. This is a person that you have committed to spending your life with. You love him. And so why wouldn't you want to give him the benefit of the doubt? Why wouldn't you want to position things so that he always wins in your mind and in your heart? Other things that I do when I'm at my best or when I think about this concept of me at my best as a wife is I'm interested and engaged in conversation with him. Now, let me be honest with you. I like to go to bed quite early And my husband is just warming up around like 10 o'clock at night. This has been the case since we were dating. Like, I think it was probably our third date and, you know, we were chatting and he was just, you know, having a lot to say. And my eyes were very, very heavy. And so there are many times in our marriage where we're having a conversation later into the evening than I would prefer, where I remind myself, this is my sacrifice for the good of this marriage. I'm going to stay up an extra 20 minutes to have this conversation with him and be engaged and interested in it because this is what's good for my marriage. Now, sometimes going to sleep will be the best thing for our marriage because if I wake up cranky or if I'm not getting enough sleep, then my ability to manage my emotions is not as strong. So you get to decide what it is for you. But whenever you're talking to him, being interested, being engaged, giving him your undivided attention, not every conversation all of the time, but just being really clear about when you want to do that. 
In our house, we have a nightly ritual where we just come expecting that that's what we're doing. Like no one's on their phone. No one's doing anything else. We're really engaged with each other having the conversation. The other thing that is very important when I'm being my best is making time for him. So I love working on my business. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like I love thinking about things to share with you. I love writing my emails. I love thinking about my clients. I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts and just building my skills as a coach. And so being willing to not do those things for the sake of spending time with my husband is really something I have had to learn to do more of. And I want to encourage you the same, right? Like you have to make space for him in your life if you want a loving, strong connection with him. Another thing is being flexible and accommodating. So I call this like the girlfriend mentality. And I want you to think about when you and your husband were just dating, like, who were you as his girlfriend, right? It was probably something along the lines of you were just very encouraging and you were willing to be inconvenienced for him. You were willing to sort of go out of your way to make sure he was happy, to make things a little bit easier for him. If there was a change in plans or something unexpected happened, you were not flipping a lid and complaining to him about everything, right? So I like to think about what was that girlfriend mentality that I had then that maybe in the day-to-day living as a married couple, I've sort of lost sight of. What else? I also think being friendly and warm and welcoming is something that we often just take for granted. There is nothing like a nice, warm hello a smile on your face when he walks in the door. We have very young children. And so when my husband walks in, they literally run to him, hug him. You know, they're just like, hi, daddy. Hi, daddy. And I'm not going to lie. There are times where like I'm busy with other things or I'll look up and say hi to him. But I am also conscious of when I am my best As a wife, I am happy to see him and I express that happiness and joy to him. Here's another set of actions, which is a little bit different than the ones I've shared before. And this is about you and your relationship with yourself. So I think that the only way you can really be your best self as a wife is your first, your best self for you. And one of the things that I have really been focusing on that's very important to me is me looking my best for me. When I feel beautiful about what I'm wearing and my hair and my makeup and my nails and all of those beauty rituals that I really personally like, I just feel amazing. And I can remember when my husband and I were dating and, you know, my weight would fluctuate or whatever. He'd be like, you know, I don't really care about that stuff, but I notice how much happier you are when you're happy with your appearance. And so I spend a lot of time focusing on my appearance for me because it makes me happier. And when I'm happier with me, I'm happier with him. 
that's like a notable <laughs> right there. When I'm happier with me, I'm happier with him. Other things, I am really also very focused on creating my own emotional support team. And that doesn't necessarily mean like when I'm down in the dumps, but when I think about having an emotional support team, it's the women in my life who will give me the highest level of empathy, who will let me vent, who will give me a hug, who will let me have sort of like a woe is me moment and will just really offer a lot of compassion and understanding because their brains work the exact same way my brain works. And so I spent a lot of time in my marriage being very upset that my husband was not as emotionally responsive as I wanted him to be. And it wasn't until I came to the realization that his brain is just different. He responds to things very differently than me. Doesn't make him wrong. Doesn't make me right. But that if I really want to have empathy in my life, if I really want um, someone who is emotionally responsive to me, that it's okay that he doesn't do that the exact way that I want him to. I can seek that out in other female friends who think the exact way I do. What else here? Speaking kindly and with care. That for sure is an often overlooked benchmark and action related to being your best self. And here's another thing that I would say is also really important is having a deep and fulfilling relationship with God. So you all know, I love the Lord. I really do love the Lord. And what I can say, though, is that in some of these seasons in my marriage where it felt like my husband was not fulfilling my needs, I knew enough to lean into God and to just look for those things being met within him, right? So if I wasn't feeling accepted or if I wasn't feeling attended to, I knew that God had already accepted me. I knew that God was literally just waiting for me to like give him a call. And just having that deep, fulfilling relationship with him also enabled me to take a lot of the pressure off of my husband and to take my eyes off of everything I felt I wasn't getting with him in order to fill up that cup in other ways. The other thing that I think is really important is that when trying to make a connection, that an invitation or a request is extended and not a demand. And so when I am being my best self as a wife, I might invite my husband to do something, but also have a plan B where it's totally okay if he says no or if he's not interested. And it never has to become a demand. I never have to make it mean something horrible that he doesn't want to do it. Now, again, I am both a student and a teacher of this. So I don't want to give the impression that I've got all of this narrowed down and like checked off the list 100%. I'm just offering you all of the thoughts that I had about what would be the actions when I am my best self as a wife. 
I am living into this version of myself just as I want you to live into this version of you as well. Other things you're doing when you're communicating is you're listening to understand and you're not listening just to prove your point, right? You value his perspective and his ideas just as much as you value your own. You're also willing to be vulnerable. This is something that I will say I have really mastered only because I am so self-reflective and I'm always looking at what's going on with me. If I'm angry about something, like what's underneath the anger? What is this triggering in me that I need to be aware of? And then how can I communicate from the most vulnerable, tender, gentle part of my heart to express myself to my husband? And then the last thing that I'll say in terms of actions is really just being in the energy of love. Just being in the energy of love and knowing that we are a team, like we're operating as a team. So if he is falling short in some area, instead of criticizing and pointing it out, I just pick up the slack and keep going. And as a team, we make it, right? So those are just some of the actions that I had on my list. The second component are feelings. So you have what you're doing and the way you get to doing all of those things is you have feelings that fuel those actions, right? Like you can't sometimes just will yourself to wanting to smile and give your husband a hug if you've been pissed off at him for two months, right? Like you have to generate an emotion that's going to motivate you and fuel you to doing all those actions that we just discussed. And so I have a few categories of emotions that I think will be helpful in expanding your thinking about this. So one of the first emotions is commitment. So I put it in the category of like commitment, determination, and like perseverance. Like, I'm going to get this right. And I think that's a really important driving emotion when you're trying to live into actions and patterns and ways of being that's not your normal default, right? You're just going to have to be committed because commitment enables you to try and mess up and then keep trying, to try, mess up, and then keep trying again. That only comes when you're fully committed. Other driving emotions include obedience and reverence and honor for God, right? So for me, this marriage is not only between my husband and myself and even our family, but it really is something that like God gifted me with marriage. There are many people out there that would love to be married who are not. And so this is a gift that he has trusted me with And I want to be obedient. I want to honor the gift that he has given me and the gift giver. And I want to be reverent to him. I want to do the things that he has commanded me to do as a wife. Other driving emotions, love, being gracious, understanding, compassionate, generous, and selfless. When I'm in this place of just being generous and loving, it's so easy to do those actions. It's just the natural extension 
of those emotions. And the other category of feelings that I had is the feeling of ease and calm and being grounded and peaceful, content and sufficient. Sufficient is an emotion that I fell in love with about this time last year, and I have just carried it with me. And so when I use the term sufficient, it just means like what I have is enough. Like this is all enough. I don't need anything. I'm not lacking anything. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just like content and sufficient right where I am. So those are the emotions. Those are the driving feelings that will make doing those actions much, much easier, okay? Now, the third category that I want you to think about when you are creating your best self is your thoughts. So even though in the actions, there are some things you want to be intentionally thinking, I like to offer anchoring thoughts. And I want you to think about what an anchor does. So when you think about a ship or a boat, an anchor is the thing that keeps it steady. So the waves and the wind may be going about and it may drift the boat off to sea, but it doesn't veer too far off. And so, yes, there will be triggers. Yes, there will be times where you really will be frustrated and upset and hurt by your husband. And you may step outside of what you've decided is your best self. But when you have an anchoring thought that you can return to, it sort of brings you back to what this is all about in the first place. And so one of the anchoring thoughts that I think is the most important and foundational for you is the thought that answers the question, why? Why do you care about your marriage? Why do you want this marriage to work? Why do you want to love and enjoy this marriage in the first place? And for me, like many of you, part of that is not just for my own enjoyment and pleasure, but for what it means for my family and my children. I want to leave a legacy of a family that stayed together. I want to leave a legacy of a happy, healthy, safe, secure home for my children. My parents have been married forever, right? Don't we all think, you know, for those of us whose parents are still married, we think they've been married forever. But as an adult, I can appreciate it so much because they are married and they're happy. and. I know what it takes to create that. It is not easy. It's not something that some people just stumble upon. It's something you have to work at. And so when I think about my children and the experience I want them to have, I want them to be in a home where the parents love each other, where the parents are a model of what a loving relationship looks like, because that's what I want them to have in their life as well. So you have to first answer the question of why. Why do you care about your marriage? Why do you want it to be successful? And whatever answers you have there become your anchoring thoughts, okay? Now, other anchoring thoughts are, for me at least, I feel better when I'm being my best. When I am my best, I bring out the best in my husband. And so I love to keep the focus on me being my best because I like it. Whenever we're making the focus about what we hope someone else is going to do in return, 
then it gets a little shaky because if they aren't responding the way we want to, then we sort of lose the motivation. And so I really first always look at, I like how I'm being when I'm my best. And even the statement, when I'm my best, I bring out the best in my husband. It's really, I see him as his best. And so I'm bringing that out because I'm consciously choosing to think that. Now, he does also respond. And for many of you, that will be the case as well. Like your husband, just a few tweaks within you will bring out a totally different side of him. And so I do want to encourage you to notice that cause and effect relationship, but not make it be the primary reason you show up as your best. Okay. Other anchoring thoughts. I am the emotional leader. So I want you to think about when you are thinking that, how are you feeling? You're probably feeling empowered. You're probably feeling committed and like a leader. And so you're inspired to do those wonderful actions. Other thoughts, he is doing the best he can right now. And he is on my side. I really want to encourage you to have some thoughts that paint your husband in the best possible light. Because when you can return to that thinking about him, treating him with love and grace and compassion and understanding is going to be so much easier. Here's another one that I really like as an anchoring thought. It feels better to love. And my goal here is to love. Many times we enter marriage not really thinking about being the giver of the love, but really being the recipient of the love, or at least like the mutual exchange of love. But if you see your primary goal being just to love, and you really allow yourself to feel and experience how amazing it feels to love, that's a powerful thing. Other thoughts. This is all working out for everyone's good. Right. So the scripture talks about this is all working out for my good. And I absolutely believe that. And I also believe that God wants everybody winning in this situation. And so when I can just anchor in on the fact that everything is working out for the good of everybody involved, that is so grounding. And that offers such a deep sense of faith and trust that things really are going to be okay. Other anchoring thoughts, I am responsible for how I feel and how I respond. What do you think about that one? (laughs) I think that's one of the thoughts most people don't like the most. Um, what else? Other thoughts, right? I talked about the emotion of sufficiency. I like to also pair that up with an actual thought. So I am sufficient. I need nothing from my husband right now. I am already complete, loved, and cherished. What would your life be like if you really believed that? You don't need anything from him. You are already loved, complete, cherished, accepted, adored. All those emotions you think you want to feel as a result of his actions, you already have access to them. And another, 
he's on my side. What do you think about that? He's on my side. I know many of you might be shaking your head right now. He is not on my side. Maybe. But what if you decided to look for evidence that he is on your side and you just chose that as an anchoring thought? And then the last one, I am called to love like God and to love like Christ. And I separated the two because I think, you know, when I imagine God the Father, it is both of them offer a sacrificial love. I don't know about you, but when I think about God as the Father, it's sort of like he gave the ultimate sacrifice of giving his son, and then Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice of giving his life. And I think that Christ's ministry and the way he was on this earth was really to help us see in human form, like the qualities and characteristics that we are to be living into. And so his love was sacrificial. His love was forgiving. His love was unconditional. Even when people were horrible to him, he still loved them. Now, I'm not saying that any of us need to remain in an abusive or dangerous marriage by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes we fear rejection so much that we're not even willing to like see what it has to teach us. And Christ was rejected more than any person, and yet he still loved. And the reason he could do that was because he knew that the rejection wasn't really about him. The rejection was about the person being lost and unaware and just confused. And so what if any rejection or any negative response from your husband, you didn't take it personally, but you just saw it as a reflection of maybe some growth or awareness that he might need in his life, but you don't have to take it personally. So this was a lot. I gave you a list of a lot of things. So again, in summary, this is the self-concept work that is so important for you to do because when you are being your best self, you change the experience of your life. It doesn't even matter what the other person is doing. When you have intentionally decided to elevate yourself, your actions, your feelings, and your thinking, everything about your life will feel different. And so I encourage you to spend some time really fleshing out who you are when you are your best self. Borrow as many of these ideas that I have shared with you as you would like, and also feel free to let me know what else you come up with. So if you love this idea of creating a self-concept, an alter ego, becoming your best self for the sake of your marriage, I want to invite you to do this work with me. It's one thing to get it out all on paper, and it's another thing to actually begin to live it in your day-to-day life. And I, for sure, am the coach that can help you do that. This is probably my favorite part of coaching my clients is really helping them to imagine who they can be and how when they are at their best, they elevate everything about the experience in their marriage. 
And so I want to encourage you to go to my website, drshavon.com, click the button that says work with me, schedule a call with me where we can talk more about not only who you are going to be in your marriage, but what are the things that you want to be creating and experiencing with your husband. So that's all for today. I hope you have an amazing week and I will be back with you next week. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On To When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.